Uh, my name is Rowan. I work in the uh, atmospheric physics part of the department, and my group studies uh, the atmospheres of other planets in the solar system. And we do this using two different ways. Uh, we have a suite of fairly sophisticated numerical models, which are a bit like the, the models you use to that people use to forecast the weather and the climate uh, on Earth. Uh, but we also do this in in a laboratory. So we have a, a set of, uh, flu of experiments, and that's what I'm going to be talking about today. So you can see up there, there's a whole load of different types of, uh, different types of planets, and they're all, they're all quite varied. Um, but we find that despite all this variation, and, and, all, and despite all the different things that, that you might find uh, in, a, in a planet's atmosphere and on a, pla a planet's surface, there are actually only really a handful of uh, very, very important things that go to... Uh, go towards explaining why there's such a diversity. So that's the kind of thing we can, we can investigate in, in the laboratory. So these, the, there are three main things, really. Uh, first is gravity. Gravity pulls the planets into a sphere, and it pulls the, the gas around the planet into a, into a shell, uh, the atmosphere, of course. And the second one is uh, the light that comes from the star. Now, the light coming from the sun, for example, um, will... At low latitudes, it will hit the, the surface of, of the planet and it will be distributed over a small area, as you can see in the, in the diagram there on the, in, on the left. But at high latitudes, nearer the poles, it will be spread over a larger area. And that means that those latitudes essentially get heated less than the, than the equatorial latitudes. So we get a difference of heating uh, over, the, over the planet. And third, we have rotation. The Earth and other planets spin on an axis. And the amount that they spin varies uh, quite considerably between different planets. Uh, but those three things put together, gravity, rotation, and heat, are really the three things that contribute most to determining what a planet's atmosphere looks like, or at least what a planet's atmosphere behaves like. So we can reproduce these three effects in, a, in, in the lab, and that's what my group, my group does. This is a, a, there are a variety of different experiments. The classic one is called the rotating annulus. And this is really quite a simple thing. You could almost do it in your kitchen. It consists of two cylinders. One is, one is heated. The other one is cooled. And, there's, a, there's, a whole, and there's, a, there's fluid between them, usually water or kind of water-oil mix. And the whole thing is mounted on a rotating table, as you can see on the right there. And then this thing is rotated, spun around fairly slowly, but it can vary quite a lot. So we've got the three effects there. We've got gravity acting downwards, we've got rotation, and we've got heat uh, heat difference between the out, outer cylinder and the inner cylinder. So this is equivalent to taking a planet's atmosphere, like a hemisphere on a sphere, and deforming it so that it becomes a cylinder. And there are various reasons why it turns out that a cylinder actually works better than, create, than building a whole sphere to do this. So we can, the point of doing this is that you can try and understand atmospheres as a kind of more general phenomenon. Each of the atmospheres in the solar system, so Venus, Mars, Earth, Titan, Jupiter, these are all specific examples of a, of a, of a general thing, which is a shell of gas surrounding a spinning object. So in the lab, we can take this, uh, the, this as a, a general thing and study it under controllable, reproducible lab conditions. So we have a whole load of examples of this. I'm going to go through uh, three or four of them, depending on how long, how, how long I talk for. And... Uh, we can see just what, what, kind of, um, what kind of flow we can, what kind of fluid flow we see in these experiments and how these compare to, to real atmospheres. So first we're going to look at something that's a bit, a bit like Mars. So it may surprise you to, to learn that 
Mars, even though we don't really know as much about it as we know about the Earth's atmosphere, is actually somewhat easier to predict what's going to happen in Mars's atmosphere. And you can see this in the top, top left-hand corner. We've got two examples on the left of what the kind of things you might see in the Martian atmosphere. So the top one is looking down onto the North Pole of Mars, and this white, kind of white purpley area is uh, a large dust storm that covers the, the whole of the Northern Hemisphere. And you can see that these, the dust storm is, is not spread out all over the place, but it's kind of arranged nicely into this long jet stream that goes all the way around the pole. And those two images, about, about a month apart, show this and how this is moving around. In the bottom, right hand, bottom left-hand corner, you can see another example. This is from the south pole of Mars. This is a little bit less, uh, less clean, less regular, but you can see, still see two areas of, of, high, of high pressure and two areas of low pressure moving around uh, the planet. So if you set up the experiments in such a way that it mimics the effects, that mimics what's happening on Mars. So by doing this, this is similar to using a wind tunnel to try and understand a plane's wing or a car, um, flow over a car, for example. You try to balance the different forces that are, in, that are at play. And you can do this in the same way for a planet's atmosphere. You can balance the various forces associated with the rotation and, and heating and so on. And by doing that, you can get a situation where the two, where you match the, uh, the experiment as best you can to these different atmospheres. So if we do that for Mars, what we get is something a bit like what we see on the right. And these are looking down onto the, onto the top of the experiment, and the visualization is caused by little particles which we put in the flow, and then you film it with a video camera. And you can see here that these are both fairly regular. They've got four, in this case, four and six um, waves that move slowly around the tank. They're, they're not particularly turbulent. There's, uh, they're, they're more or less predictable. And this is the kind of behavior that you might expect of of an atmosphere like, like Mars's. And we can use this, then use this to try and study what's, um, what physical processes are contributing to a um, behavior like we see on the left. So it might not surprise you to hear that Earth is a bit more complicated than this, um, but perhaps not in the way you thought. There are many, many more effects going on, on in the Earth's atmosphere. For example, we've got land and sea, we've got clouds, we've got uh, vegetation and other parts of the biosphere. Um, but it turns out that even if you set this up in an experiment or in a computer model, it turns out that despite all that, the main effects acting on Earth's atmosphere through heat, heating, and rotation and gravity, it actually turns out that Earth's atmosphere, that the fluid in Earth's atmosphere is fundamentally more turbulent, more chaotic, and, and less regular than, than we find, for example, on the previous slide for Mars. So we can see that in the, in the, in the lab experiments in the bottom right. In this case, these are... The main difference between these and the previous slide is that these are essentially rotating a bit faster, and this pushes us into a state where it's a bit more like Earth's atmosphere. And you can see here there's, there's still some of these wave patterns, but they're much more irregular, and there's a lot of turbulent flow, especially down here in the bottom, in the, in the very far bottom right. Uh, there's a lot more, lot more turbulent type of behavior. So again, we can use this to try and understand what's going on, in the, for example, in the top, the top uh, sequence, which is what the Earth looked like yesterday. So moving out, further out from, from, from the, the small planets, we get to the giant planets. And these look, need to be approached a slightly different way in the lab. So this is the giant planet Jupiter. It's one of probably the most spectacular sight in the solar system with these amazing banded clouds and large, huge eddies, large vortices, big storms that have been raging for hundreds of years. With the Earth to scale up there, of course, uh, the Earth is uh, really quite small compared to this planet. But the further you go out, the, the weaker the sun becomes, the, the less effect the sun has. So when I talked about heating before, 
we can't really do the same thing again. We can't really set up a, uh, an experiment where, we heat, where we've got two plates and one is hot and one is cold because it doesn't really because the amount of sun amount of heat coming from the sun is not as much. So instead, what the better way to do this is you set up an experiment that still rotates but you heat it from below because the, the main source of energy for a planet like this is from inside the planet itself. So we're able to set uh, set up experiments like this. Um, there are various facilities that you can, you can uh, apply for time on uh, around the world in the same way that an astronomer would, would apply for time on a telescope. And there's one of these in Grenoble. This is a huge rotating table. It's, much, it's 30 meters across, which is certainly bigger than this room is. And you, you, using this, you can set up an experiment where you reproduce some of the, the, uh, the balance of forces that you find in, in Jupiter's atmosphere, for example. Because Jupiter rotates so fast and is so large, you can't really do this in a, in, a, in a lab like we've got here in Oxford. To do this, you'd have to spin your, your tank about 20 times faster than we can do at the moment, which is just not practical. But instead, you can go and you can do the experiments on very large, and very large tanks and, uh, and get to the type of, type of things you're, trying to interested in, you're in, more interested in studying. Uh, well, you can look at in, in that way. So we, we, we did uh, some kind of ex these ex experiments using this using this uh, facility. And the way this is set up was a very 30-metre diameter tank. The water is quite, uh, I mean, it's fairly easy, a metre, a metre and a half deep. Um, but it's, it's, it's much wider than it is, than it is deep. Uh, just, just pure water. And instead of heating from the sides, as I described for the, the, the experiments for the Earth, and, the Earth and Mars, we set up a, a sloping bottom, and this represents the, this reproduces the effect of the curved surface of the planet, which is more important for studying the things we were interested in looking at. And we heat it from below. And so by doing this type of experiment, we can, we can look at, really, what we're very interested in is these, uh, these, jet, these uh, large banded structures and how they interact with the small, with these eddies, how important the eddies of different sizes are. Is an eddy like the Great Red Spot very important, or do we, are we really import, uh, interested in the ones that are much, much smaller? And we can investigate that in an experiment like this. So this is just a shot of the kind of thing we see in an experiment like this. Uh, the, the size of the, the, the image on the, here, on the, here on the right is really quite large. It's probably from here to almost the wall, I would think. Um, and a shot on the left is, is a much uh, closer image, probably about the size of this table. And you can see here, uh, there's a, you can see on, on the left the the kind of the turbulent, the turbulent flow is, is moving and all these eddies are interacting with each other. But on the right is really what, what, what we're interested in. You can see here at the top of that image, there's a, uh, the, the particles that we've put in and illuminated with a laser sheet have a kind of moving across and you can see this jet-like jet structure as, as well as a whole load of, of smaller eddies and, and, and vortices and things. And if you leave this for a long time, leave this to run, maybe several days you'd need, it, need this to run for, uh, it, you can see... Eventually, it, it, it forms into these bands, so some, some parts of the flow go from left to right in, in terms of the picture, and others go from right to left. And you get these kind of alternating bands in the same way that you would get on, on the giant planets. You can't quite get to the situation you see on the giant planets, but you can get fairly close. You just need a bigger and bigger tank to do that. Finally, we'll move to Saturn. Saturn has been explored for the last 10 years by the Cassini spacecraft, and it's sent back some amazing images uh, of the, uh, uh, and amazing science studying the, the planet, its rings, and its moons. And in the last few years, it's been able to... The, the uh, spring has come in Saturn's northern hemisphere, and that means that we're able to observe the northern pole of the planet. 
And by doing this, we, there is an amazing feature at the, the, the Saturnian North Pole, called, which has been called the Saturn, Saturn Hexagon. And you can see that up there in the top left. And this is, was very interesting to us because, of course, this looks just like the kind of thing we see in our experiments. So the question is, can we set, can we set up an experiment that, that allows us to reproduce the kind of uh, pattern we see here, the same kind of balance of forces that, we've, uh, been that I've talked about before, and can, can we reproduce this type of hexagon that we see in Saturn's atmosphere? <laughs> so this is, we, it's possible to do this. this. This experiment doesn't involve any heat at all. It has, instead, it has a rotating uh, table, which is shown in the top, the top right, and it's just, it's just a cylinder of water rotating, but the inner cylinder, you see there, rotates at a slightly different rate. And what that does is it acts to produce a shear. So this is a, the, the different parts of the fluid are going like this against each other. And that makes the, the, the water become unstable, the, the fluid become unstable. And that's what you can see here in the bottom, the bottom right. And so you can form these beautiful, very clean, very uh, clear hexagonal structures. And also triangles, pentagons, and squares, and, and even um, polygons of, of, of higher order. So the fact that we see this kind of thing at the North Pole of Saturn is perhaps inevitable, but the fact that it's a, the fact that it's a hexagon is, is probably a coincidence. So those are the kind of things that we've been doing. Um, if you'd like to find out more about them, then here are some places to go.